0: Job chapter 1, and uh, we we'll look tonight at Job, the man who served God for naught. Did you ever think about serving God for nothing? Would you serve God for nothing? Job did. So let's, let's look at this. Verse 1, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. They were born unto him seven sons and three daughters, his substance also was seven thousand sheep and three thousand camels and five hundred yoke of oxen, five hundred asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. His sons went and fe- feasted in their houses, every one his day, sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were going about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned, and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. The Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth, and walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. There came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While I was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven, hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While I was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While I was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So again, the title, Job the Man Who Served God for naught. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word. We thank you for this Old Testament example of a, male, a man who lived and Uh, pleased you and walked with you and kept your commandments and yet suffered greatly but still retained his integrity, his love for you, and his trust and loyalty to you, and who has written for our example and our admonition. I pray that you'd help us to learn some things from his life that be profitable for our own. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible tells us that Job is from the land of Uz. He was a man in the land of Uz. Um, that'd be north today, that would be northwestern, around northwestern Saudi Arabia, along the eastern shore of the Red Sea. Um, because of the area he was from, it's believed, according to the genealogies, you know, there was one of the sons of Shem was Aram, who had a son named Uz. So, it's believed that he was probably a son of Uz or Aram from that area. We don't know that for sure because it doesn't really give us genealogy. There is a name by a guy by the name of Job listed in the Sons of Naphtali, but that, that would be later, so it wouldn't be the same person. Uh, as I mentioned, it's believed that he may have been a contemporary with Abraham. It's quite certain he lived before the giving of the law. Um, there's no reference to law anywhere in, in the book of Job. Um, though there is much discussion about sin, about man's relationship with the Lord. Uh, Job 9, 2 says, I know that it is so of a truth, but how should a man be just with God? It raises that question. That's a good question to ask. And in Job 19, verses 25 to 27, uh, he spoke of a resurrection and uh, of his corrupt body when he says in Job nineteen twenty five For I know that my Redeemer liveth, that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. So, <coughs> you know, uh, even at this early date, you know, people believed in a resurrection. Of course, that was promises, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Uh, but as we think about this man, Job, tonight, I want to notice, first of all, his character. And in verse 1 and verse 8 and then chapter 2 and verse 3, it says this about Job three times. There was a man like of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect, upright, feared God and eschewed evil. And when the Lord speaks to Satan, by the way, Satan still has access to heaven. He won't be cast out of heaven permanently until Revelation chapter twelve. And that's yet future, during the tribulation period. So he still has access to heaven. Somebody said that's why God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, because it's somewhat corrupted because of Satan's presence there at times. But anyway, verse 8 says, The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Jod? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feared God and skeweth evil. And again in chapter two, verse three, the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and skeweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, though, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. So the the Lord gives Job this description. You know, when the Lord gives a man a description, it's the right description of his character. And he says, He's perfect. That word perfect there means he's morally innocent. He has integrity. Uh, he was a man that was upright. In other words, he was pleasing to God. He was straightforward with God. He was just in the sight of God. He was a just man. That's spoken of Joseph, you know, the, the, the uh, husband of Mary, that he was a just man. Uh, he, he feared God. In other words, he was afraid of God or he had a reverence for God. He stood in awe of God. God was one that was that he understood to be greater than him, and he was in awe of God. He, he didn't consider God, you know, like another man. No, God was higher and greater than he was. Uh, he wasn't just the man upstairs, you know, kind of thing. Uh, he eschewed evil. That word eschewed means he departed from, or he turned aside from, or he avoided it. So... So he was a man that, that feared God. He had a reverence or a fear of sin, and, and, and he parted from it. You know, Proverbs 4, 4, 14 and 15 says, Enter not in the path of the wicked, go not in the way of evil men, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. And so this was the, this was the kind of man that Job was. And the Bible speaks of him in... Two other places, in the in, once in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel prophesied, testified of his righteous character, when twice in chapter 14, verse 14, verse 20, he says, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. Again, verse 20. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. So, so God picks three men out of the Old Testament and says, You know, even if these three men stood before me and cried unto me, they would only, Israel is so wicked, they'd only deliver them themselves. Now, what's that say about the ones he chose? It speaks to their righteousness, their, their right conduct in the sight of God. They had power with God. And, of course, we see this in chapter 42 when God tells Job, you go pray for the, your three friends. You pray for your three friends. And, uh, and he did. So this was the character of Job. Uh, of course, he's spoken of in James. We'll look at that a little bit later. Uh, but look look at Job 31, and this speaks to his character, Job 31, and verse 14, Job 31, verse 14, he says, but I trusted in thee, O Lord, I said, thou art my God. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm in the Psalms, I didn't think it looked right, Job 31, and verse 14, what then shall I do when God riseth up, and when he visiteth, what shall I answer him? Did not he that made me in the womb make him? Did not one fashion us in the womb? If I have withheld the poor from their desire, or have caused the eye of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel myself alone, and the fatherless hath not eaten there. In other words, if I kept back from the fatherless, and I kept back from the widow, if I did that. So he's going he's to list a whole bunch of things of if I did, and then he's going to make a statement concerning that. Uh, Verse 18. For from my youth he was brought up with me as with a father, and I have guided her, that is the widow, from my mother's womb. If I have seen any perish for want of clothing or any poor without covering, if his loins have not blessed me, and if he were not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless when I saw my help in the gate, then let my... "...mine arm fall off my shoulder blade, and mine arm be broken from the bone. For destruction from God was a terror to me." In other words, I feared God, and I, this is why I reached out, and because and, I, I, I stood in awe of God. "...for from destruction from God was a terror to me, and by reason of His highness I could not endure. If I have made gold my hope, or have said to the fine gold, Thou art my confidence. If I rejoice because my wealth was great." and because mine hand had gotten much. If I beheld the sun when it shined, or the moon walking in brightness, and my heart hath been secretly enticed, or my mouth hath kissed mine hand, this also were iniquity to be punished by the judge, for I should have denied that God that is above. If I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hated me, or lifted up myself when evil found him, neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. If the men of my tabernacle said not... Oh, that we had of his flesh, we cannot be satisfied. The stranger did not lodge in the streets, but I opened my doors to the traveler. If I covered my transgressions as Adam, by hiding mine iniquity in my bosom, did I fear a great multitude, or did the contempt of families terrify me that I kept silence and went not out of the door? Oh, that one would hear me, behold my desire is, that the Almighty would answer me, that mine adversary had written a book. Surely I would take it upon my shoulder and bind it as a crown to me. I would declare unto him the number of my steps. As a prince would I go near unto him, if my land cry against me, or that the furrows likewise thereof complain. If I have eaten the fruits thereof without money, or have caused the owners thereof to lose their life, let thistles grow instead of wheat and cockle instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. Now, if I have done any of these things against my fellow man. Let me be cursed. That's kind of what he said. You know, he God not only testified to his character, Ezekiel testified to his character, the prophet Ezekiel by inspiration, but Job himself declared his, his character, his integrity. So this was truly a man of great character. We see also the greatness of the man himself. Verses two and three says they were. Him seven sons and three daughters. I would say he was blessed with a full quiver, uh, and, you know, and uh, certainly that's a blessing of the Lord. And his substance also was seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen. That means I way understand that. That means he had a thousand oxen, a yoke is two, and <clears throat> five hundred she asses, and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east so he had all these this 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 wealth he had a great uh he was a, a wealthy landowner with servants employees you might say and and great possessions you know sheep and camels and oxen and, and she asses and, and and all that and 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 then the bible says he was the greatest of all the men of the east in other words he had greater wealth he had a greater estate than anyone around him so truly he was a great man Many a man that turns away from the Lord. Their hearts grow cold. However, I want you to notice his spiritual depth, verse 5. It says, And it was so, when the days of their feasting, talking about his children, were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. You know, despite all the wealth that he had, yet he did not take it for granted. You know, I just read in, in, in chapter 31 there, he said, If I have made gold, my desire, again let thistles grow and cockle instead of wheat and barley. Or tear my arm off my shoulder, if I have. He didn't take all this friend. He understood even before it was taken away from him that it was all from the good hand of God. In fact, look at chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Then Job arose. So it's gone. It's it's gone. Then Job arose and ran his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He understood that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He understood Proverbs ten twenty two: the blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich, and he hath no sorrow with it. And so we see here his spiritual depth. But once you notice also, fourthly, he was falsely accused of sin as the cause of his suffering. Look at chapter four. And I'm going to look at quite a few passages of scripture here, but as you know, if if you have read and I'm sure you've heard, that said about Job's three friends. <laughs> friends like that, you know, I've often said friends like that who needs enemies, but. But they were his, his friends, uh, Eliphaz and Bildad and, and Zephyr, Zephyr, I think his name is. Anyway, they come to comfort him. And, uh, of course, you know, not only has he lost all his possessions and his children, but chapter 2, I didn't read that, he lost his health. He had broken out with, like, sore boils, and he sat down and scraped himself. And, you know, they've been a miserable, miserable existence. Um... And and so they came and and they to mourn and to comfort him. And it says in verse 13 of chapter 2 they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him. Can you imagine sitting there for seven days and seven nights and not saying a word? I don't think they knew what to say. Because it says they saw that his grief was very great. What do you say to God now understand? They didn't have the revelation of God yet. What they had would have been given orically, orally, passed down from generation what little they knew. There may have been some writings on some stones or something. We don't we don't know for sure, but you know the first five books of the Bible haven't been written yet law hasn't been written. And, you know, he's he's lost all this. The only thing he didn't lose was his wife. Everything that a man could lose in life, he lost except his wife. And she said, curse God and die. And he said, you speak like a foolish woman, or in other words, you talk like a wicked person. And so he still is retaining his integrity and but he's also then his his three friends begin to falsely accuse him they're trying to explain they're trying to explain why we suffer and who is the cause of suffering now look at chapter 4 and verses 1 through 9 then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered and said, If we assay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? You, you, know what I, you know what my opinion is? I think they sat there for those seven days thinking, Okay, Job has to be living in secret, great secret sin for this to happen to him. How do we break the news to him? Would you want to tell would you want to say that to somebody that's your friend? Who you have thought, according to Job's own testimony and what God says about him, you thought, that, according to what, how everything appears, that here was a great and godly man. But now because of there's such great suffering, he has to, there, there has to be, he's got to be a hypocrite. And that's their summation. Would you want to tell him? So anyway, they start. Eliphaz, who believes to be the oldest, he says, If we essay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? I mean, we just can't be quiet about this anymore. Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholden him that was fallen, falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. So, you know, he, you, you, that was, that's good. And then he says, But now it has come upon thee, and thou faintest. It toucheth thee, and thou art troubled. Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways? Remember, and here's where it starts to go south, south, so to speak. Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent. Or where were the righteous cut off? Remember, I pray thee, or I'm sorry, Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils are they consumed. So Job, nobody perishes that's innocent. Nobody's cut off if they're righteous. So the conclusion is... You're not righteous. You're not righteous. Go to uh, chapter 8. And, of course, there's chapters of this. You know, not, 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 I'm only giving you a, a few excerpts. That's Eliphaz. And that's his first. Go all the way to chapter 8. And then Bildad. Chapter 8. And verse 1. Then answered Bildad the Shuite and said, How long wilt thou speak these things, and how long shall thy words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? Doth God pervert judgment, or doth the Almighty pervert justice? If thy children have sinned against him, and he have cast them away for the transgression, if thou wouldst seek unto God betimes, and make thy supplication to the Almighty, if thou wert pure and upright, surely now would he awake for thee, and make thy habitation of thy righteousness prosperous. Almost sounds like a health and wealth preacher, doesn't he? Yeah. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end shall great should should greatly increase. For inquire, I pray thee, of the former age. Prepare thyself in search of their fathers, for we are but of yesterday and know nothing, because our days upon earth are a shadow. Shall not they teach thee and tell thee and utter words out of their heart? Can the rush grow without mire? Can the flag grow without water? While as yet in his greenness, and not cut down, it withereth before any other herb. So are the paths of all that forget God, and the hypocrite's hope shall perish. Whose hope shall be cut off, and whose trust shall be a spider's web. He shall lean upon his house, but it shall not stand. He shall hold it fast, but it shall not endure. Job, you're a hypocrite. A hypocrite won't stand. And you're a hypocrite. That goes on for a few chapters. Go to chapter 11. And Zophar picks up. Chapter 11, verse 1. Then answered Zophar the name of thy and said, Should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? So Job is answering in between here. Should thy lies make men hold their peace? And when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? For thou hast said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in thine eyes. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against thee, that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee, less than thine iniquity deserveth. So you deserve all this. Now, there is some truth in what they say. There's a lot of error, too. They said many things that were true. But, you know, it is true that we deserve, we don't deserve anything God gives us. That is true. But to say this about Job when it is not true nor not known, what are they going on? They're going on what they supposed suppose has to be to justify Job's suffering. Of course, Job answers them, and of course, you know, there's lots of, but go to chapter 23, and, and I'll, We'll, we'll kind of sum, sum, summer, give you a summary of what Job's answer is to all this. Job 23, Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. Now, Job didn't understand this either. He didn't understand it either. But he had a different perspective than they did. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I know, would know the words which he would answer me, and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself in the right hand, that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shook him forth as gold." My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many six things are with him. Therefore am I troubled at his presence when I consider I am afraid of him. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Because I was not cut off before the darkness, neither hath he covered the darkness from my face. So though Job does not understand why this is happening to him, but one thing he does understand, and one thing is true of him. I have not gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed his words more than my necessary food. He knows the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You know, his ways are true through all this. And he knows that God has allowed this or appointed it for him. But see, the thing that men didn't understand was, God wasn't doing it. God was just allowing it. God allowed it, but God didn't do it. We know that because we have a written record. It was Satan that brought all these calamities upon Job and all this suffering. You know, and Job proves through inspiration that a man may suffer, yet not for his own sin. You know, Genesis 3, we're all going to suffer because of sin, because of the curse of the fall. It may not necessarily be my own sin. We're all going to suffer for our own sin to a degree. But you may suffer in some way not for your sin. Because, not because of something you necessarily did. You know, the, and the inequalities of life are to be redressed in the life to come. That's when everything's going to be taken care of. You know, Luke 14, 13, 14 says, when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. God's going to straighten everything out in the resurrection. You know, that was made evident as we looked at rich man Lazarus on Sunday night in Luke 16. The rich man had received good in this life and Lazarus evil, but now Lazarus is comforted, he is... But we see also the purpose of Job's suffering. The purpose of Job's suffering. Go to chapter 1. Go back to chapter 1. Verse... Six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and skeweth evil. Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him, about his house, and about all he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands; his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all he hath is in thy power; only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Go to chapter two, and verse three. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? So he took everything that he had, and he still worshipped the Lord and said, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 3, The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and skeweth evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him, destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin. Yea, all that a man hath he will give for his life. Put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord, and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown, took him a pot shirt to scrape himself withal. He sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? In other words, your straightforward, your justice, your justness. Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we, not, shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. See, the purpose of Job's suffering is to prove that a man, that God can be loved by a man for simply who he is and nothing else. That you know that goodness of, of serving God is un, can be unselfish. That the righteous can serve God for not for nothing and trust him trust God. <coughs> excuse me, even when he seems to be against them, because Job thinks Job thinks as well as these three friends of his think that God is against him. He doesn't understand. And throughout the whole book, Job keeps asking or requesting a hearing with God. Hey, there's nothing wrong when you're going through it to ask God for a hearing. Just have the right attitude. Be accepting of what God has allowed and try and learn from it. And, of course, Job learned from this, all this, but, but the whole point of the book of Job is to prove. See, Satan's accusation was, man doesn't serve you for nothing. If you withheld good from him, he wouldn't serve you. Follow me. And Job proved him wrong. He put Satan in silence. Do you ever wonder or wonder why why do righteous people suffer like wicked people do? Do you ever consider maybe it's to demonstrate the difference between God's people and the world's people? I haven't preached very many funerals, but I've preached a few. I've preached probably um well, I, I guess I've probably preached more people that profess to be saved than lost. But I've preached some funerals of people that we knew were lost. And I remember one in particular. Now never forget. The wailing of one of the persons at the funeral. I mean, just she just wailed in anguish. There's no hope. Look at chapter 13, just as what Job says, verses 15 and 16. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation. See, Job knew that God was his salvation. He understood that. For an hypocrite shall not come before him. He said, I'm not a hypocrite. Or I, wouldn't, I would not come before him. So, it proves. Go to James. Well, James chapter 5. Job is held up before us in the New Testament as an example for us. In, in Job 5, verse 11, says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. You happy, would you be happy to endure what Job endured? You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Now, the word patience here is defined as the characteristic of a man who is unswerved from his deliberate purpose and loyalty to faith and, and godliness by even the greatest trials and sufferings. And that's what Job said. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. He said, I've esteemed his word more than my necessary food. In other words, the word of God was more important to him than the food he put in his body. <clears throat> I think that speaks of why to, to, the, to Job's strength of character was the importance of the word of God to him. It's translated, keep it, Luke 18, 5. Uh, Romans 5.3 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. In other words, tribulation worketh this patience, There worketh this unswerved from, being unswerved from our deliberate purpose and our loyalty to God. And patience, experience, appearance, hope. You know, that's why James says, Count it all joy when you fall in the divers temptations. Knowing this. That to trying your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work. You may be perfectly tired, wanting nothing. Do you ever think about the fact that a faith that has been without trial is a faith that has not been proven or manifested? A faith without trial is a faith without proof. It's just words. That's why the Bible says "Without faith without works is dead. Being alone. You know Jesus said over and over again in Matthew 7 Not everyone that saith unto me Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. It's not you can say it but trials prove it. See, Job's faith was proved over and over again. He said, I I hope, you know, his wife said, you still retain your integrity? He said, yeah. You better believe it, woman. I'm going to retain my integrity. I'm going to retain my ways before God. You know, his grief was very great. I mean, can you imagine coming home and the house is gone? The property is destroyed? And if there's any kids at home, they're gone. And if you have married kids out somewhere and they're gone. And then you get struck with boils from your head to your bottom of your feet. And all you can do is sit there and scrape yourself. And yet, Job remained faithful. Matthew 12:50 says, "For whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven the same as my brother, sister and mother." And the word "will," there means it speaks of a choice, an inclination, a desire or pleasure. It was Job's will. It was his choice. It was his desire to serve God even in the midst of the worst trials and circumstances even if it meant for nothing you know, why do you serve God is it for gain would you serve God for not for nothing without a cause If there was nothing but the redemption of your soul, would you serve the Lord? That's what Job did. And Job proved to the devil that a man can serve God for naught. You might say. Can a man serve God even in midst of tribulation? And the answer is yes. You know we've seen how many fell away just because of a pandemic in churches across America. See trials reveal who is true and who is not. Are you true? Let's be like Job. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. We thank you for the truth of thy word. We thank you for this Old Testament example of this man who served you faithfully through the trials, severe trials of life. And I pray, Father, that you help us to endure the afflictions and the hardships, uh, to to, um, bear with patience the trials and tribulations that we face. And uh, Father, knowing that we will suffer those things in this life, but yet we know that one day you'll be coming for us and we'll be delivered from this corrupt, sinful world. So just help us be faithful until you come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.